Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the breakthrough success coach and your powerful presence mentor. Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the exponential success coach. Today, I have with me Jim Barut. He's kind of amazing in the community that he's built and nurtured and continues to cultivate. For 20 years, for the past two decades, he's been bringing entrepreneurs and innovators together. He now uh, leads, I'm looking at my notes, he leads a community of innovators uh, in what he calls an innovation ecosystem there's so much more to Jim. Uh, we just started talking before the podcast, and uh, I can't wait to learn more. I get excited because I learn along the way with you as the uh, as the listeners and viewers of this podcast. So let's welcome Jim Brood. Welcome, Jim. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Wayne. I really uh, look forward to this conversation. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. So uh, you don't just start as a leader of uh, an innovation community. It's like you wake up one day and you're how many years old and you go, ta-da, I'm going to lead this community. What um, what puts you on this path? He, uh, uh, that's where I want to go. What I'd love to do is to get to know you a little bit. Like, where did you grow up? How did you grow up? And what do you think shaped you along the way? So, you know, go back to your early family, six, eight years sure. old, whatever, right? Absolutely. You're in New York? I'm in central Jersey, actually. That's okay. where I grew up. And, um, you know, my childhood, you know, um, was a lot of fun. Uh, but it was also really fascinating because my father ran a, a real estate business. He and his two brothers started it, you know, right when they got back from World War II, uh, real estate insurance and travel. And so I was part of a family business and I would see how my dad would work and, and share uh, with me uh, business tips uh, and learnings. And he worked his tail off and that got me interested in entrepreneurship, right? So I grew up in this entrepreneurial family and uh, it was really illuminating uh, and interesting and sometimes frustrating, right? When you're when mm. your father is a workaholic and uh, when you're when you're an entrepreneur, you're essentially a workaholic. You're working all the time. Balance is not a word. So so that was really interesting for me. And so when I graduated college, I went to work for this real estate business for uh, three or four years and then decided that I, didn't, I wanted to do something else more in the marketing area. So I went back to school to get my MBA and graduated from uh, Texas A&M. And was about to take a marketing job at uh, a corporation and saw a listing for um, a position at an entrepreneurship center. Now, 25 years ago, there was only a couple dozen entrepreneurship centers in the country. Now there's 3,000. So it was rare. And so I said, why don't I do this? You know, I was always reading success magazines when I was growing up as a teenager and, and I was into Wall Street Journal and Business Week in college. And I said, why don't I try this? Can I pause you for a second? There, like the term entrepreneurship center is, it's like, you don't just in, in, in our day, you didn't just go to the yellow pages and go, 
I wonder what's under entrepreneurship center, right? You don't flip through it. And even now, um, you know, with, with the different search engines, it's like, what's an entrepreneurship center. So can you define that you got out of, you got out of Texas A&M MBA and you're like, I'm all in for entrepreneurship. Sure. What's an entrepreneurship center? An entrepreneurship center typically is hosted at a university, right? And most of them still are, uh, 99% of them. So they are essentially ways to educate the students, but also bridge the, the bridge the sort of gap between academia and industry and entrepreneurship and investors in that community. So that's what that is. And so, again, there was only a few back then. And I said, why don't I do this for two or three years since, you know, there's very few opportunities like this. And then I can see what I want to do next. And and so I had a I wonderful... Just wanna, I, I want to emphasize this. An entrepreneurship center is a bridge between academia and the community. It is kind of a think tank. It is a way of creating business to fill a need. And it's a way of kind of focusing young minds on thinking in terms of what needs need filling. And that's where you were like, I'm all in for that. Absolutely. And I, I wasn't actually all in. I was, I was, I wanted to test the waters. I wanted to see what this is all about. This is something that was passionate uh, for me. Uh, and it just so happened to be a really good fit. So again, expecting to only stay two or three years and then jump off back to corporate, right? Use my MBA uh, that I just invested in. Um, and uh, I had a wonderful boss and uh, I, I ended up staying there for 17 years. I took over the center. Uh, after nine or so years, and uh, it was a really wonderful sort of academic career, right? But it was it wasn't just academic because I was in industry in the community, so I was uh, again bridging and making that bridge possible and doing some really neat stuff um, with uh, students, with industry, um, and with nonprofits, uh, mostly in the in the New Jersey area, right, North Jersey area. So that was a, a great experience. Again, two or three years, happened to stay there 17. Then, okay. I, was then I was recruited away to lead uh, what was the Technology Trade Association for New Jersey and uh, called New Jersey Tech Council. And that was, um, again, doing what I was what I was doing, but on a much larger platform, right? From New York City to Philadelphia, right? And over 100 events a year. And it was just really great. Um, helped launch a venture fund. While I was there, I was there for a little over five years, and that was a, a really great experience too. So, and that brings me to one, uh, I left in 2019, started doing some of this work on my own, mostly consulting advisory work, helping uh, startups, helping CEOs, helping university presidents, helping growth companies all grow uh, and engage the ecosystem. Uh, and also, as just like you, I've been doing podcasts to support the community and doing Zoom salons during this pandemic. Uh, to bring people together. And again, I have a huge network. So it was really nice to sort of be able to continue to support and help because that's what my life, my business career, my career has been all about, right? Just supporting the community. And so I was fortunate to uh, leave before the pandemic. <laughs> so, and, and able to sort of really continue helping mostly virtually, obviously, but now uh, more and more in person as we, as we get back to hopefully some more normalcy. Love that. So if 
someone were to come to you at a cocktail party and go, Jim, nice to meet you. What do you do? How do you define that? You know, it really depends who I'm talking to. Sometimes I'll just say I do, I sit on boards, I do advisory work, I do consulting. Or sometimes, depending on that person, I'll say, I help startups raise money and grow. Or if it's uh, an academic sort of setting, I'll say, I work with universities to engage the uh, industry and the entrepreneurship ecosystem so that they can leverage it and um, be more successful and have their students be more successful. Amazing. Amazing. So what, um, let's sort of backtrack along the way. You've, you know, it wasn't all rosy and exciting and <laughs> like, let's talk about uh, the drama uh, without it being dramatic, right? There, there are challenges that entrepreneurs face. That's the nature of entrepreneurship. And you were, you were right when you said that, uh, you know, you're, you're, your dad was an entrepreneur, and so it meant that he worked all the time. The The joke that I know is that as an entrepreneur, you only work two times a day, daytime and nighttime. Um, what is so great is most entrepreneurs, including myself, it doesn't feel like work, right? When you love what you do, you step in and you're just like, you're always thinking, you're always creating, you're always looking at what's next and how to serve even more greatly. So there are challenges along the way. What are, let's say somebody in our audience, for example, is thinking about, you know, I've always wanted to dot, 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 right? Fill in the blank. Um, I've always wanted to have my own company and I would love to know, like, what do I need to be thinking about? And what are some of the obstacles that um, that are typical that I don't have to hit if I know other people have hit them? Sure. Well, first of all, uh, any person who goes into entrepreneurship needs to have an open mind and continue learning, right? And I think you Love know this that. well from, from your background, you continue learning. Lifelong learning is really important, yeah. especially being an entrepreneur. You need to be open-minded and continue to take guidance and take advice. Maybe stick to your stick to your your goal but uh sometimes you're gonna have to pivot in fact most of the times you're gonna have to pivot and yes. change, right whether that's minor or major and the best entrepreneurs are the ones that take advice integrate it um uh get other perspectives and and make the company stronger right so that's really important uh number one number two is relationships are everything right and so that means building sort of a personal and a business advisory board or team to help give you advice as you do anything, whether it's starting a business or or, or in any career. Um, that is really, really crucial and can be really uh, impactful and beneficial from day one to, to year 30, 40, 50 into your career. Um, and, and so I can't emphasize that enough, the importance of it, especially for young people, right? I mean, these days it's hard, uh, for young people because they've been in a digital cocoon their whole lives and just to sort of, um, be able to interact and build relationships is a really important skill that not a lot of young people have, unfortunately. And, uh, so that would be my recommendation for everyone, but especially young people to sort of make strides in 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 that goal 
to, to create relationships and make them uh, strong and lifelong. So <clears throat> uh, the audience is, is broad in terms of range of age. And I am going to guess that many of our younger listeners will go, well, of course I have relationships. It's just different than you would understand. And so when you talk in terms of relationship, for me, relationship breaks down to the three Latin roots of relationship. Re is again, lation is to come together and ship is the state of. So it's the state of continually coming together, uh, which means that you have to be a strong individual. And when you come together with somebody, whether it's a partner or somebody in an advisory capacity, they have to be a strong individual. And when you come together, you build something even more significant. So um, in terms of business relationships, in terms of advisory relationships, it's about, I'm going to just jump in and, and say, it's about investing in the other person and being open to listening and learning from them. 100%, 100%. And, and nowadays, I should note that it's it's easier in some ways to build sort of networks and relationships on social media. LinkedIn is like a gift that keeps yes. giving. You can find out who's who and connect with them and, you know, uh, build relationships that way until you eventually meet on Zoom or in person, right? So that's really something that uh, young people should be really adept at. Um, uh, is building relationships online and, and showing engagement, right? It's not just linking with them, right? Maybe liking their post, right? So if they if if people do it in a thoughtful, intentional way, uh, whether young or old, doesn't matter. Uh, you can really be very productive and very effective. One of the key things that I've learned along the way is that um, you know the relationships message that's been given. Uh, over the over the years right it's like build relationships um a lot of times and and it really takes practice to build a relationship that's not based in i need something from you i want you to like me enough to give me something that the relationship is really about i'm taking an interest in you and if it goes somewhere that's great and if you know somebody who knows somebody that might ultimately help me that's great but if I can help you along the way, that's probably better, right? And that's the nature of a relationship. And that's, um, I hadn't thought about it this way, but I think that if we break down what entrepreneurship is, it's really about how do I help enough people, right? And so it is based in relationships, which, um, which I think is key. All right. So are there other things you said an entrepreneur is about being open and minded, open minded and being a lifelong learner? Uh, you've said relationships are everything, which uh, you said quite passionately. And I love that. Uh, other other key points, because this is great. This is exactly right. The the right path that I, I wanted to go down. So and something related to relationships is leadership, right? So sure. all these days, more than ever, it's about your team, right? Uh, being able to lead, attract, retain, and lead a team, right? So it's really important to have those skills. And at the end of the day, it's just being a good person, generous, thoughtful. You know, I think um, you could read a million books. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're, um, 
and just just thoughtful and, and generous and flexible. You know, some of these basic qualities, you could be a good leader. And of course, I should say, it's always great to have a, a, a coach, right? Not only an advisory board of mentors and people you can get feedback, but a coach uh, is really important. I know you you do that, and that's really um, uh, we're fortunate to have leaders like you, uh, Wayne, that are coaches. But any coach um, is important to have because that will give you direction and and be a sounding board. And sounding boards are really really important because. Um, Entrepreneurship is a lonely road. Uh, it can be. It can be really lonely. You you have to stop seeking other people's approval because you've become the thought leader. Um, thanks for pointing out that I am a coach. It's one of the the things that recently, because of the back to work, work from home kind of uh, back to the office, work from home kind of balance that we're seeing now, I've been called on by some of the major media to offer opinions and it's like what gets people back in the office you know should we should we consider a casual day it's like that is not an incentive the biggest incentive in terms of attract retain and lead is you start with values if people don't know what you believe in and and you build your vision around those values people need to know what you believe in so that they can line up behind you or say, well, <laughs> we differ in our philosophy and I'm going to find somewhere else. And it's a deliberate decision. Um, that is huge. And a lot of a lot of the leaders that I work with assume that people know what their values are. And it's a huge mistake. So, um, you know, to go back to what you were talking about, being an entrepreneur means being open-minded and a lifelong learner. Yeah, like what else is there? Like one of my key things is I know I'm missing something. What else is there? That's where a coach comes in. Um, relationships are everything, your team, your advisory board, leadership. Yes. Get a coach because uh, a coach is going to bring the best out of you in terms of what you're offering, who you are, but more importantly, um, and I should say, and more important, the, uh, to, to really help you focus on who you're becoming, right? Because no one starts a new company or steps into a company or steps up as a leader and says, we're going to stay the same. <laughs> That's right. Right. We're growing. So who do I need to be to be the leader of a company that's growing? Right. right. And that's really important to, uh, that's a really important um, point, uh, Wayne, is that, your leadership style and qualities change over time, particularly as an entrepreneur, right? An entrepreneur is the hardest job on the planet, <laughs> besides maybe a prime minister or president, whatever. But um, because, uh, and when I say an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur scales his, business, his or her business from zero to 10 million or 100 million, because those going from being a founder to a, a manager, to a leader, <laughs> to a visionary, um, and still growing is really, really, really hard. And that's why you need all the help you can get. Dr. Wayne Purnell, Dr. P, would like to invite you to dare to declare that your dreams are worthy. Beyond all of the success you have that got you here, you know you're bigger than the life you're currently living. What have you set aside to get to where you are? 
Don't you want to wake that back up? It really is possible to explore new dreams and dare to desire without giving up your current path of success. Pop over to Dr. Purnell's free masterclass to help you get from your desire to your destination. www.powerfulpresencemasterclass.com. That's powerfulpresencemasterclass.com. Dr. P's free masterclass is at www.powerfulpresencemasterclass.com. What's the easiest part of an entrepreneur's day, do you think? Because most people, like most people start where I started in terms of the questions. What makes it hard? What's the hardest challenge? What's the biggest thing, right? Yeah, you're lonely. Um, you're alone. You're not necessarily lonely um, because you have people around you and yet you're the decision maker. It all starts and ends with you. Um, and you can't seek approval from anybody else. You have to be solid in yourself. So permission seeking you've got to start practicing taking risks. That's tough, right? So those are some of the challenges. The easiest part of an entrepreneur's day, what? You know, I, I would- smiling I would, so big. I love that. I, mean, I would, It's really, I mean, that's a tricky question. I mean, the, the easiest part is when you are with your team, right? And celebrating, I think. Those are the easiest. Or just having coffee, you know, just doing something downtime, just being- you know, uh, supportive uh, of your team or with your team. That's really where you get a lot of intangible benefits and you see, you know, uh, the leadership that you bring. Um, I think that's the, that's one, one time when it's, it's really easy and gratifying. When anything's gratifying and, and not stressful, that's probably, you know, one of the better times of being an entrepreneur. And it doesn't happen all the time. In fact, it's, it's rare unless you build it into your culture. And that's, you know, again, about leadership and relationships. Back to culture, right? So, and, and in terms of culture, not a lot of, not a lot of team cultures build in the idea of celebration. And I think that that is so important. And, you know, if you take the kind of relentless attitude or the, that kind of focus, it's like, okay, we've celebrated. That's enough. Let's go. Uh, I think it's important to, to, uh, mark or denote certain, uh, milestones. It's like, ta-da. And we're not done. We're celebrating the milestone. We're not done. Um, right. We're never we're never done. It's sort of like the life of a company is like the life of a human. We're not done till we're done. And even then, hopefully there's legacy. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, I think it's, it's, it's those celebrations really important, but the personal celebration, someone just had a baby, right? Mm. Someone just, uh, you know, um, accomplished something. Someone needs to take care of their elderly parents or their kid and you're, you ask them how they're doing and if you could be of help. I mean, it's those things. When you talk about come back to the office, it's that type of relationship and leadership that's going to um, persuade someone to come back to the office or stay with the company. It's simple as that. It, it goes is. back to being a good person, good, thoughtful person. Yeah. Right? With values, as you mentioned. That is, that is so great. Usually 
the conversation does go to let's celebrate the company's milestones. Um, it is so, so important. And I want to underscore that to recognize that the people working for you are people, the people working with you to uh, advance whatever mission you have as a leader. Uh, the people are people. And there's a human aspect. And to to build that as part of the culture that we respect the people and their lives that we know about their lives the um the interesting thing is that even though over the over the years obviously the pandemic has changed the way people think about work over the years though the gallup polls have shown like before the pandemic salary was number five on the list of things that were important to employees it's moved up <laughs> like working from home is like i can do this anywhere i want to be paid for what i do so it's moved up the thing is is that the top two things have have not really moved they've jockeyed about a little bit but they haven't moved one is tell me that the work i'm doing is meaningful i want meaningful work and the other is, uh, and you're shaking your head, you know this. Um, I, I want to share this with the audience. Meaningful work. And the other is, tell me you see me, right? Acknowledge me as a human. Acknowledge me for the work I've done and also what I bring as a human. And somewhere in there is, and please pay me fairly. Um, <laughs> like, you know, don't don't demand so much. Well, it's, you know, 430 on a Friday. So we're going to have a team meeting right now. It's like, that's not okay. The And I worked for a culture like that years ago, which is how I got into leadership development. It's like, oh, no, oh, heck no. Um, but that's really important, right? Is the work like you've got to keep that as a leader, you've got to keep that in front of your people and yourself. What is the outcome how is this how is what we're working on going to affect the person or people or community that we're doing this work for and am i seen i don't need a parade i just need to know that i'm valued for the work my contribution and for being a good human yeah no absolutely and that that becomes more tricky when you're in remote right you know, being seen right so it's it takes a lot more over communication of leadership right Overcommunication yes. is a really important uh, concept that I've, I've talked about for years, right? Especially in academia, right? And in nonprofit and in community, you need to overcommunicate. But now more than ever, if you're not going to see that person in, in person, in real life, you need to take the time to engage, to build those relationships, which are sticky yeah. uh, and are cherished. Because at the end of the day, that's the only thing the only thing in a tight labor market that is going to compel them to, to remain. I think about some of the conversations that I've overheard uh, after hours, um, both at home as well as, you know, at restaurants and, and, you know, various social events where people talk about the leadership that they've, that they've either gotten or that they are, that they've come away from. And they sort of, uh, they process. And it's very interesting because it's usually very polar. I can't believe so-and-so did this or did it to me. And the when you explore it, it's like, 
they didn't actually do it to you. The leader didn't wake up going, <laughs> I'm going to make so-and-so's job miserable today and so-and-so's life miserable. They usually, uh, in my experience, the leaders who end up inadvertently making their team members feel bad do that by not knowing their team members. And the inverse is also true, which is those that make their team members say great things and feel good are the ones that really do know their team members. You know, I value you. Um, one of my, you know, in my, in my experience, you know, there was a, there was a, uh, a time when I was assigned a special project, right? I didn't, I didn't land in leadership development. I was in leadership and I came through the ranks in multiple organizations. And there was a time when a leader had asked me to do a special project and ended up at the end of the project, giving me a $20 Starbucks card. $20 is what four cups of coffee. It doesn't go very far. You know, she did that with a handwritten note and the handwritten note was worth 10 times or hundreds of times more than the $20 Starbucks card. And the Starbucks card meant that every time I'd go to Starbucks, it was like, what? Yay me. Versus if she'd given me a $20 bill or just, you know, like <laughs> inserted that into the paycheck somewhere. But the handwritten note was what went a really long way. And it, it's gone as, as like such a long way that I'm bringing it up decades later. Right. So it's one of those things that it's memorable. Thank you so much for your contribution. It makes a difference. That's memorable. And, and I think handwriting is a, is a lost art, which, you know, is so powerful, right? You know, if we can all, you know, sort of make the effort to do some handwritten notes or cards, you know, to our team, our, our community, uh, that means a lot. Uh, I, I, I force my daughters to write thank you cards all the time. You know, uh, it's really they're tweens, but I mean, uh, it's really important for them to get into that habit, but people sort of are so delighted by receiving something handwritten on paper in the mail, uh, that you can't really, uh, you know, overstate the importance of that. Uh, too true. So you've talked about over communication, which I love because the, you know, one of the biggest leadership fallacies is that people understand what the message is, right? And so when I was working with a major uh, travel and insurance organization, one of the key things we did was to focus on a communication strategy for a major shift that was happening internally. And internally, there's very often the leadership is almost allergic to confrontation so it's like well we'll just tell them and and they'll know what to do it's like no no what's the message who's the messenger what's the medium and what frequency right so what needs to be said by whom through what uh medium is it through video is it through a phone call is it through an all hands meeting is it is it one-to-one -one? And how often must that message be given in order for it to be heard? Just because you think it as a leader, and this goes for 
parents. This goes for uh, family members. This goes for like, just because you think it doesn't mean anybody else heard it the way you intended it. And so um, I am a fan of over communication as well. I love that. Uh, I love that you are saying that it's a, a part of great leadership. Right. And you bring up a really good point. Uh, you have to meet people where they are, right? Yeah. And you can't just blast. You have to think strategically about how you communicate it. And you might have to communicate three different ways, frankly, in, you know, some and individually to some, you know, through email to some, through a, a video to some. Not everyone's going to receive it the way they uh, that you want it to be received because there's information overload, right? And so you have to factor that in and um, try to get that message out as thoughtfully without badgering people too much, um, meet them where they are uh, to make sure they hear it and, and listen to that message um, because it's important. Um, so that's, that's, that's the challenge of our day is getting through to everyone in a way where they will actually read it or listen to it because there's so much information overload from so many places. It's so true. It's um, it's interesting because as you were talking, I was thinking about how do I get my message out there, right? Me personally, my message. And it's like, um, it's like any of the work that I do. I have a blog. I'm doing a podcast, which is both audio as well as uh, visual, right? I, it's, you know, I have books, I have, <laughs> I have little memes and posts on all the social. It's like, how do I get my message out? It's the exact same thing. How do you, as a leader, get your message out so that people can, can grab it and understand what you believe in? And then again, I mean, leadership is about leading so that people line up behind you without, you know, <laughs> demanding it. Um, this is, this is so good. What, uh, like, are there key points that you were hoping that we would talk about today? Well, I think we've covered a bunch of them, right? Everyone yeah. wants to know about uh, being an entrepreneur and, and being a leader. So I'm happy we went over those uh, those points because they're uh, universal and, and so important to be reminded about it because um, even though everything changes so rapidly now, the basics essentially stay the same and you just need to leverage the tools at hand or of the day to, um, to better lead or manage oh. or perform. Perfect. It's um, it's like high level athletics you know, the basics are the same, how you as an individual take those basics on, that's you, right? That's all about you. But you have to understand the basics of a tennis swing, a golf swing, a basketball shot, like um, <laughs> running plays in football, there are basics. And then there are, there's nuance. And the leader, as an individual human, um, leads with nuance. And I think, you know, one thing that um, we probably should add is the importance of health, right? The mm -hmm. health of everyone in your, in your team, uh, in your community, but to be a role model, right? And, and take care of your health, uh, your mental health, your physical health, 
because those are related, obviously, is really, really important. We, now we know we've been through a pandemic. We know how important taking care of ourselves is. And the more we can sort of have balance and focus on that for ourselves and for our community, uh, the better everyone will be. Agreed. This is, uh, I'm so glad you brought that up. You know, during the pandemic, the statistics for mental health and depression rose from somewhere around 22 to 25% of the population up to 50% or just above, which means that if it's not you, it's someone you know that was touched by that. Um, that's, it's huge. It's staggering. And so as a leader, or a team member or family member, model it. That's one of the things that I will continually talk about is be that beacon of light for other people. Be the person who lifts other people and recognizes what another might need. You don't have to be the rescuer, but certainly if you're modeling it, you will step in and, and you know, rising tide lifts all boats. It's like, if you can be that person that, that says, this is who I am and what I believe in. Uh, you will get people resonating with that and and rising with you. And if there's somebody that needs specific help. Absolutely. And I, I, think, <laughs> I think, I think, you know, one of the easy ways to do that, and um, I do it, you know, uh, I, I text folks quarterly, you know, depending on the holiday or but sometimes I'll just text them and say, how are you doing? You know, nice. and, or I hope your summer went well and you could, and people can do it now, you know, just go through and just ask. That's it. That's it. Just a simple text. You can copy and paste it and maybe alternate a little bit to personalize it Yeah. for, for their names and family, whatever. But that simple act um, you could be doing while you're waiting in line for something or waiting on Zoom for something, and have uh, an important impact. You know, so there are little things we can do, which make a big difference. It is so good. It is, right? Just the, hey, thinking about you, how are you doing? Um, that's gigantic. And it creates a connection that would otherwise be unassumed or assumed not to exist, right? Nobody thinks about me. I'm out here on my own. I'm you know, whatever. And here it is, you know, the start of a new week and, and someone's checking in on me. Right. Um, I will, I will say from an HR perspective, try not to do that to your, to or with your employees on a weekend. Um, because that assumes a, a work relationship, <laughs> uh, and, and you don't want to impose that. Right. That's the other part is like, if you're if you're the leader, you have to be aware that you have a very different role and that trying to be friendly can actually be an imposition. Right. So it's like, well, I care about this person. Awesome. You can let them know that, you know, it's a non-work related text or you can wait until work hours and let them know you were thinking about them and just want to check in. Um, if as an entrepreneur, you are building relationships with others, absolutely build those relationships, do check in. So I just wanted to put that little, that little, uh, container around that. 
Um, I'm so glad you brought that up, uh, Wayne, because self-awareness, right? Cognition of your role uh, is so important, especially these days. There's so many minefields, right? <laughs> I mean, it's yes. it's really sad that we have to think about so much before we uh, type something or send something or say something. And yeah. and that that is really um, the best leaders are the ones who are going to be self-aware, right? Yeah. That means, again, getting help, you know, asking you uh, if you're their coach, right? Or, or having a playbook, right? Because um, one false move or one move that's not, uh, is interpreted the wrong way, you know, can spell trouble and stress and unnecessary because all you're doing, you have the best intentions, you're trying to be a leader and thoughtful and it blows up in your face. And exactly. that is, um, Again, this the the day we are in the current time or zeitgeist we are in. Unfortunately, we have to be extra careful. It's true. Yeah, we have to know. Um, I, I just I love emphasizing this. We have to know not only who we are to ourselves, but how we are perceived by others. And um, it, it's a it's tricky because you have positive intent as a leader. And you have to assume positive intent when somebody messes up in your company and, and it's easy to blow up like, oh, they did this. And your employees don't always assume positive intent about you. And that's the, that is the trickiest part. It's like, I am assuming positive intent about this other person. I know they didn't mean to mess this part up. I know that I have good intent when I text somebody and the other person doesn't always interpret it that way. And so, right, that self-awareness that you were talking about, Jim, it's it's so important. Um, wow, we have covered so much and our time has flown. I want to know, is there anything that you were hoping we would cover that we didn't cover? Um, are there other tips that are sort of lingering out there? And uh, the third thing is, if people wanted to, to just connect with you and learn more about you, how would they do that? Sure. Well, I think this has been a great discussion, Wayne, and I think we covered so much and I don't think there's anything else I have to, to share. Uh, people can certainly reach out uh, whenever they, they like. I, I'm on LinkedIn in James Baroud, um, and that's probably the best way to connect with me. And I'm happy to uh, help out or answer questions you know, as a servant leader, right, for, for over two decades, helping uh, leaders, entrepreneurs, students, uh, it's sort of in my ethos is just to help uh, when people ask. So don't be shy. It's amazing. All right. Just uh, so that if you're listening to this, you know how to find him, James Baroud, two R's, two O's, uh, B-A-R-R-O-O-D, uh, on LinkedIn. That's great. I have to find out if we're connected. And if not, that's coming right up. Uh, wow. Thank you. I'm so appreciative of you being here, Jim. Thank you. Thank you, Wayne. This has been really delightful. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. And for our listeners, this is One Sharp Sword. My guest has been Jim Baroud, James Baroud. Uh, Jim has been amazing, offering some amazing insights on entrepreneurship. And um, as I said, this is One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. 
I am your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Exponential Success Coach. We'll see you here next time. Thank you for listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Breakthrough Success Coach and your Powerful Presence Mentor. 